season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Texas native, former Texas 12 shortstop, and 2023 Ole Miss signee. We got Drew Markle on the JKR Podcast for the Texas 12 series powered by Mind Baseball. Drew, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, you said that you just got out of practice. It's looking like from what you're wearing. We talked about the weather here for a second before we started recording. What is that weather looking like right now, you know, right before the season's getting rolling for you guys here in Texas? Dude, Texas weather is, it's weird. It's so weird. Yesterday I was going to school in short shirt and today I had to throw on some pants and a sweatshirt because it was 75 yesterday and today I wake up and it's 45 and windy. So yeah, yeah. it's so much weirder, you know, how much more you guys are adjust, uh, adjusted to, you know, 75 degree weather. Cause like yesterday it was probably 40 degrees and windy here in Indiana and I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt and you guys are wearing uh, that sweatshirt and short uh, sweatshirt and sweatpants. Like it's so much weirder, you know, how you get adjusted to that weather, but no, before we, so one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the J care podcast, before we dig into, you know, your baseball career recruiting process, stuff like that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Drew Markle? Yeah. Um, so I'd say uh, my name is Drew Markle. I'm a 2023 grad. Um, going to Ole Miss. Um, I'm a student of the game. I love baseball. I have since I was three years old, and it's uh, it's basically consumed every aspect of my life. So I'm sure. And a big part of that is the Texas 12. Obviously, that's how we're getting connected here from the Texas 12. So let's dig into it. How did you get connected with the Texas 12? You know, Coach Knox, Coach Bennett, all those guys. Just take us through, you know, the Texas, your Texas 12 experience and how you got connected with them. Yeah, for sure. So um, when I was eight years old, um, it was, I was with the Katie honor. The Katie honor was a s small team ran by David Royce, uh, Jay Miller and Josh Markle, my dad. Um, so we were the Katie honor and, uh, Greg Bennett, we actually got in linked with Greg Bennett and Greg Bennett was the one that kind of started the Katie, uh, Texas 12 program. And so we started, we were one of the very first teams to start the, I guess, organization and Katie uh, linked with uh, Darren Ebright out at Cotton Sports Ranch. 
So when I was, I think it was nine U, nine U, we moved over to the KD twelve, and I think I'm, I'm one of the longest members of the twelve organization. So proud to say that. There we go. So with you being one of those first members of the KD twelve, I believe talking to Greg, I believe KD was their second branch that they created. Um, so for you going through, you know, from that start, you know, when you're a younger kid, eight, nine years old, watching it kind of evolve, what were some different ways you've seen that KD 12 and Texas 12 organization grow from being there for so long? Yeah, no, for sure. So um, the first branch, of course, was uh, the college station branch, and uh, they always had uh, the really good, they always had a good team. Um, and then the KD we kind of started off really, really small. Um, we had the Cotton Sports Ranch, which was only one turfed high school field. And um, kind of the 12 has taken over that uh, facility now. Um, we've now grown to at least six teams in age group, which was unheard of at that time. Um, the facility is now three turf fields, a 50-yard length turf I guess just for whatever, for whatever facilities, there's a weight room. There's a lot more cages than just the one cage that was not even, uh, not even covered with anything. It was just a cage right next to the field. So, I mean, the 12 has absolutely blown up all over. I know we're in the woodlands, Corpus Christi, obviously uh college station still. So yep. the 12 is it's blown up quite a bit to become sure. one of the biggest programs in Texas. I'm sure. So when I, when I was talking to, you know, coach Bennett, Broninger, your head coach there and coach Knox from the sounds of it, it sounds like, you know, if you play for the Texas 12 as a youth ball player, you're playing, let's say for you, for example, you're playing for that Katie youth Texas 12 team. And then when you hit the high school level, everyone kind of gets put into a salad bowl. They mix it up and put you on different teams. So take us through that, through your experience, you know, playing with all your Katie base players, so when you you hit 14 years old or 13, 14, whenever, and you get put into that salad bowl for high school, what was that experience like? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I always played with the same group of guys since I was seven, eight years old. And going from uh, that youth up until like the high school, um, we got told like, hey, you're going to start playing with the other guys. Because even with like um, the different locations, like we always had competition. Like we always wanted to beat the Woodlands team. We always wanted to beat the college station team and then come high school. We're like, okay, so now we're going to play with those guys. So then like Kendall was always on the other team, Kendall George. And then all of a sudden he's on our team, Ethan Cornell. He was always on the Woodlands team. Now he's on our team. And now we just came up with this really good group of guys. We just selected from every team and we just became one and, it was lights out from then on. I'm sure. I mean, that team is absolutely loaded just going through that roster. I mean, just the guys that I've talked to, but there's a ton that I haven't talked to. You know, you look at Blake Mitchell, yourself, Kendall George, uh, Jackson Bra Brasso. I, I actually talked to him a couple of days ago. Um, you know, all you different guys committed all these different power five schools. I mean, it's crazy to see, you know, a team that solely focuses on, you know, just a region of Texas being so loaded. Um, but for you, you know, when you're at Katie, I'm assuming you had a certain head coach that stayed with you guys until you guys hit that 14 U level. And then for high school, you had coach Knox. So what are some of those different relationships you have, you know, with the coaches of the Texas 12? So we talk about coach Knox, the other head coaches, coach Bennett as well. I know he kind of focuses on the 2025s, uh, mm -hmm. but just what are those relationships you have with coach Knox and the rest of that Texas 12 coaching staff? 
Yeah, for sure. So whenever we first kind of got started with like the youth, that's whenever uh, Zach Dillon uh, with Baylor, he kind of took over and he was a, he was always around always uh, because he was the head guy. He was always with every different team. Um, You'd see him uh, every once in a while youth. But once we got into the high school, he became our coach there towards the end before he got the job. Um, And then always Ryan Broniger. Um, I've known him since I was a little kid. He was always the college station head coach or out there at college station. So we always played against his team and I've known him for a long, long time. He's a really good dude. Um, and then, uh, Brandon Whitby was actually one of my coaches whenever I was, um, in the youth program. Um, he's now, uh, with a different team, but Brandon was a good, uh, mentor for me. Uh, my dad was, a was a coach for me as well, uh, through all youth teams, um, up until the 13, 14, whenever coach Knox took over and, uh, so yeah, I've met a lot of good uh, coaches that have helped me a lot. Yeah. So with all these different teammates that you have on that high school team with Coach Knox, I mean, like you said, you know, Kendall George is from College Station or whatever, whatever he's from. You know, all these different guys are from different areas of the Texas 12. So, you know, with the Woodlands, Katy, College Station, South Texas, how close are these areas to each other? Like I said, I'm from Indiana. I've been to Texas one time. And obviously I'm not going to some of these smaller towns. I'm just, you know, going to a big city, whatever. How close are these, you know, smaller towns and branches of the Texas 12 to each other? Yeah, that's actually what I'm pretty proud of is that um, like no kid for our team is farther than one, an hour and a half away from each other. Like all these big programs uh, that are really good. Um, they got kids from each from different states, but all of our team is within an hour and a half of each other. And that's, I think that's just really cool to me because we got that bond and we got all these different just dudes that are within um, just driving distance of one another rather than a flight or whatever. Sure. Yeah. So how, so how often are you playing some of your Texas 12 teammates in high school season when you know, are kind of staying in the, your Katy area? Yeah. Right. So next week I actually uh, get to play JJ in a tournament um i'll probably run into sam myers because we always play with the sidewoods team which is 45 minutes away from us um i got a couple dudes in my district uh such as uh kolkase uh lucas moore i got a couple guys on my team ty dagley lennon west so i mean there's just always competition against the 12 guys and it's always fun to get to play those guys because they're not on your side anymore and you're going straight at them so it's always yeah. a good, uh, it's always a good match. Yeah. So let's say they got a Texas, let's say the opposite team that you're facing in high school ball has a Texas 12 pitcher on the mound, some guy that you've played with in the past. What is that like, that competition? What is that like, you know, facing a guy that you play with all the time in the summertime and spring ball? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the intensity definitely goes up because it's like, you know, what's coming because you've seen them all throughout the summer, throughout the fall. Uh, it's just whether who's, who's the better guy that day. So yeah. It's always fun to face those guys. Sure. So, you know, as we talk about some of these other guys on that Texas 12 team that you played with, you know, who are some of these guys that you've built the biggest bonds with, the biggest relationships, you know, from that time to where you're an eight-year-old, you know, playing in KD to, you know, when they put all the team, put, put all the best players together on that one Texas 12 team, who are some of those relationships that you have and you have built over these years? Yeah. So one of the biggest relationships that I've built is with uh, Jace Lavulette now at um, A&M. So I've known Jace since I was seven years old, back whenever we played for the Katie Honor. 
Um, so I get, I got to play with them since I was seven years old and I played with them all the way until I was 12. And then at 12, um, I was kind of the young buck of the group, but, uh, I was an older for my age, but younger for theirs. So, uh, that's whenever I took the step back to my own age. Um, so even though like I moved down, like I still kept in touch with those guys. Um, I actually played with Jace, uh, my four years of high school, or I guess not this year, but uh, the last three years. And it's been a blast just because I've been playing with that dude forever. And it's been awesome to see him grow and uh, become a really, really good baseball player. Mm-hmm. And from, from the sounds of it, it's sounding like he's going to be maybe starting in left field tomorrow for the Texas A&M Aggies is, or how, how much, obviously this spring you want to, you know, focus on your senior year, but you know, how cool is that to, you know, see a guy who you've played with your entire career playing at the SEC level and you being, you know, having all these different rankings on him. What, like, you know, what's that like just watching a guy like that, you know, succeed Um, just a year ahead of you and you, you know, potentially following in his footsteps next year. Yeah, for sure. Dude. So proud of that kid. He's worked so hard for that. And uh, it's just awesome to see it. I definitely told him that he has to get me a ticket for whenever Oxford comes and Ole Miss comes and plays at Bluebell here at April 2nd, I believe. So yeah, I'm waiting. Yeah. And he's so, got a pretty cool, he's got a pretty cool first name. I gotta, I gotta say my so I gotta say so myself. So, you know, I'll be rooting for him as well. Uh, but no, so uh, digging into, you know, your entire cra- travel baseball career as a whole, you know, when you're playing for the KD honor, playing for the KD 12, and then when you make it to the high school level to play with everybody on the Texas 12, just as you look back into it, you know, what are some of those best memories, you know, two to three um, that you just can remember and you're just going all, all every summer, going playing travel baseball for the Texas 12. Yeah, for sure. So for the Texas 12, um, this past summer, the the USA and Cary, uh, that was a huge event. Um, obviously, uh, it was awesome just because we won it. <laughs> but I mean, that was kind of like the last tournament where we had everyone, um, everyone as a team, just because guys uh, were going to play for Team USA or whatever. Like that was the last tournament we had every single guy with us. Um, so it was it was just a blast to play with all of them, uh, that tournament. Um, and then I'd say, uh, Jupiter, Jupiter is always a fun, uh, tournament, uh, whenever we go and play in the fall. Um, I would just, because, I mean, you take, uh, the best guys in your program. So that could be younger guys. Um, it could be just the whole staff. So whenever I got to go play with the Jupiter team last year with, uh, Jace and, Caden Kent and those guys, even though they were older than me, it was, it was just fun to go play with those guys because they're ultra competitive and uh, you just create that good relationship with those guys. Yeah. So for a fall event like Jupiter, um, you know, what is that atmosphere like in the atmosphere comparison to when you're actually playing summer baseball? Um, Cause obviously, you know, you, you play summer, maybe take a couple of weeks off of actually playing in some tournaments and then go down to Jupiter. Like, what is that atmosphere like? What just, just take us through that whole thing and how that compares to actually summer ball as well. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, summer games, you could be playing at, I mean, just a random college in the middle of nowhere. And then you go and play in Florida in front of could be hundreds of MLB scouts, like just golf carts everywhere, lining up the fields. Like it's just so surreal because that those are the games that you always dream of as a kid playing in front of those guys and even college teams are there. So it's just it's such a surreal event just to go play in uh, playing in front of a huge crowd 
every single game because there will be guys watching. Yeah. And with all those scouts, you know, at that event like Jupiter or something, you know, that you've come accustomed to this past summer going to area code that USA tournament, I'm sure had quite a few scouts as well. And then mm-hmm. in Jupiter for you, like, how do you kind of keep that tunnel vision? How do you kind of stay focused on your game as you can just look out through the crowd and just see golf cart after golf cart full of MLB scouts, college coaches, this and that, how you kind of keep stay focused on the game of baseball? Yeah, for sure. I mean, just because it's who's watching, it doesn't mean that the game changes, right? It's always the same game that you've been playing since you were three, four years old. So, I mean, baseball is baseball. You've got to take it one step at a time and um, no matter who's watching, just have fun. So you brought up that USA tournament experience and that's something I kind of want to dig into here as well. Um, So when you guys won that championship, you beat my, you know, my hometown, Indiana Bulls. So take me through, through your point of view, what that experience was like. You know, I always like hearing, you know, how the Indiana Bulls lost to you guys in that championship. Take us through, you know, what that atmosphere was like, you know, maybe that last inning, you know, right before you guys win it all, win that gold medal. Take us through that championship game through your eyes. Yeah, for sure. So we had a, we had a guy, Jackson Blank, he's at uh, Magnolia West. He actually started that game and he threw an absolute gem. He threw, he threw, I think, either six or set is five or six innings and he threw phenomenal the whole game he was sitting 88 90 um really good breaking stuff and uh he absolutely diced for us um coming in pitching that one game weight on his shoulders championship game and he threw really well and then uh i believe jackson wilkerson came in to close that game um lefty going to baylor yeah, he came in and he threw really well, um, was able to offset hitters with uh, lefty breaking stuff, and he threw it all well. So yeah, really fun game to play in uh, just because whoever was on the field that we were playing, they, they got to play the same game as well. Uh, pitch by pitch, they got to see it all as well. So, so that, I mean, I believe that wasn't your guys' first time there in carry for that USA tournament, correct? Yes. So – um, they got to go the year before um, I got hurt early in the summer uh, that past year. So while they were all heading off to carry, I was at, actually at home um, getting texts from those guys, just wishing I was there. But um, I was really proud of how we were able to bounce back because even though we came up short that year before, um, I just knew that these guys, they wanted it and I wanted it for them. And uh I'm just glad that I got to contribute to bring it home the next year. I'm sure. So, you know, beyond that championship game against the Indiana Bulls, take us through what the atmosphere, the day-to-day, just that entire environment of playing there in Cary, you know, that just state-of-the-art facility. Take us through what that experience was like facing, you know, those top 16 teams in the country. Just take us through that whole thing. For sure. So we – I mean, just being the Texas 12, uh, we knew that we were going to have a really good bracket. And we played some really good teams, but um, it was always fun because every single time you'd step up to the plate, you were definitely seeing the best guy on the other team. You were seeing their best arm, and you were going to see it every single game. Uh, so the Alpha Prime team, they they threw uh, uh, the righty uh, going to Arkansas. His name is Gabe Geckel. It was actually, I think, one of his uh, couple – I think it was his third start off Tommy John up to 97 with a really good breaking ball. Um, but yeah, just 
every single game you were going to face the best guy. So and then another cool experience you got to be a part of last year for, I believe it was last year. It might've been the year before um, was that area code experience. Got to represent, you know, team Texas or the Texas Ranger scout team, whatever you want to call it. Take us through that area code experience as well. Again, you know, like the day to day, what that env environment was like atmosphere, just the entire event. Take us through that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So um, with the area code team, it was just uh, mosh posh of the best players in that state. And uh, just seeing these guys, um, you're always playing against them because not all those guys are on your team. Uh, you're always playing against them. You're always facing them. And then you show up to the field and you're all wearing the same uni. It was just so fun to play. And um, we played some really good teams. Um, we got to play the athletics. Um, we played the White Sox. And I believe we played the Reds. Um, so three games of some of the top kids in the country. And uh, just like that summer, you were going to see the best arm. Um, we uh, we actually saw Gabe Geckel once again uh, for the athletics. And then we saw Cal Randall with the athletics as well. Um, so both guys that I faced uh, previous this summer, but I got to see again. Um, it's just so cool seeing one of the top arms in the, in the country, yeah. uh, just on your team. So, yeah. So with the area code experience, I know there are, I believe from what I've been told from others, when you have that, you know, the coaches there are, you know, MLB scouts that are in there in the dugout with you. So when you do have that experience and you're around those scouts on that day-to-day -day building relationships with them, what are some different ways that you're maybe picking their brain or maybe just, you know, watching the way that they go about their business? What are some different ways you go about it when you're around, you know, major league ball, uh, major league area scouts? Yeah. So, I mean, first off, whenever you show up, um, you're hitting in the cages and most of the hitting guys that like to watch um, will actually talk to you about like your approach or something in your swing. And then you get to ask them questions about what they see. And it's always good to see um, or hear about what they have to say, uh, just because they've been a lot around the game a lot longer than you have. Um, so they know quite a bit, um, especially in the dugouts as well. They get to see your at-bats and they've seen hundreds, thousands of at-bats. And it's always fun to see like what their approach would be or what they would do differently, um, just mechanically or just mentally. Yeah. So for you, you know, playing when you're playing for the Texas 12 or, you know, you're at the area code event or you know, whatever happens to be when you're around, you know, a lot of ball players who are like yourself in the stature of, you know, being a power five commit. How do you kind of go about, you know, maybe watching some of your teammates, maybe picking the brain in terms of, you know, how they go about things, you know, just because they are that same color ball player of you. How do you kind of go about that and maybe picking the way that some of the other ball players, some of your teammates go about things? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I guess everybody comes from a different place and everybody comes from different teachings. So um, just playing with the different guys, uh, different guys that are in your position or even out of your position, like everyone hits. So everyone has a different philosophy. Everyone has a different mentality whenever they step into the box. So I guess uh, just being able to pick guys' brains that um, either on the left side or the right side of the bo the plate, like you're still you still have to hit the same hitter and just seeing what they see or just feeling what they feel, it could help you a lot. So, so you've brought up a couple of different pitchers throughout this conversation. You know, a couple, you said you faced a couple guys a couple of times. If you could go ahead and pick, you know, maybe two to three of the toughest pitchers 
that you have faced so far in your career, the toughest ABs, who would those pitchers be? Yeah, so um, the number one guy I'd, I'd say would be Gabe Geckel. Um, that's going to Arkansas. He's a righty. Um, it was just, I mean, just it was just crazy. Third start off Tommy John, and he was lighting up the gun 97. It was the first time I've ever seen a bit uh, pitch over 95. And he was he was touching upper nineties, so it was it was cool to see, uh, um, and then uh, I'd say second AB would probably be Cal Randall, the second guy that I talked about on the Athletics. Um, I got to see him against the Canes, and then I got to see him against the Athletics. Um, just his weird delivery with the high leg kick, and then the sidearm, um, and he can run it up to tops 95 94 um it's a tough ab just because i mean just the speed but they also have really good polished breaking stuff so and where's he heading to school uh ucla i believe ucla okay so you know you you might not get the chance to face him when you head to college but gabe gecko going to arkansas you going to Ole miss that first ab you face him you know maybe freshman sophomore year what is that approach you have against gecko next time you face him yeah, for sure. So I'm definitely uh, eliminating the outer half just because um, with his speed, he loves to go in. So I'm looking for that fastball in, which I'm one for two off of right now. So feeling pretty good about myself, yeah. but uh, he's obviously a really good arm. Um, and I'll just be uh, looking for that inside heater that he likes to throw. Yeah. So Gecko's not from Texas, correct? No. Um, I don't really believe I don't know where he is. Okay. From. Okay. And I mean, not, no worries, but I was just curious because I've always found it, you know, I'm not going to, what's the word? Um, I've always found, you know, incredible that, you know, with, for those area code games, you know, let's say the White Sox scout team, I know the White Sox scout team or the White Sox area code team has, you know, Indiana, Illinois, I mean, all the way out, all the way to like Nebraska and stuff like that. But then the Rangers for the most part is pretty much the whole state of Texas. So mm -hmm. let's dig into Texas high school baseball, just that competition level, you know, what that, what's that's like. So take us through, you know, your past three seasons, you know, playing high school ball and then kind of what the outlook is heading into your senior year, which is about to start here in a couple of days. Yeah, for sure. So like the last three seasons, um, they've been incredible for us just because we've had some really good players come through the program, such as Jay's uh, Jack Little, who's at Wichita state will start. He's at Wichita state. Um, We've had Graydon West, who went to Bryce, uh, Michael De Batista, Trevor Esparza, just really good players that have gone on to play at the college level um, that have helped us. We've gone to round four my sophomore year and then uh, round three last year. So we've made pretty good runs with the guys um, that we've had and uh, been really thankful for having those guys. So as you head into your senior year, obviously you guys lose Jace. I'm sure you guys lost a couple other guys as well. What is that outlook heading into your senior year? You know, maybe some guys that you're bringing back, some guys to expect some things out of. What is the outlook, you know, heading into, you know, upcoming this upcoming week and then beyond? Yeah, so for sure. So we have a couple returning starters, uh, third baseman Adam Metavidez, um, catcher Landon West, outfielder and pitcher Ty Dagley, um, my, actual, my little brother, uh, is going to be a returner. He he split last year, but this year he'll be an everyday starter in the outfield or catcher. Um, and then we have a bunch of new arms uh, coming in young because 
just because we have a lot of guys that graduated last year, but we'll be a younger team um, trying to figure everything out. But uh, we've all known each other for quite a while. So uh, we, I built, we already have that chemistry going and mm-hmm. we'll be able to hit the ground running. Yeah. So you've said throughout your four years, you know, you guys have had a bunch of guys come through the organization or come through your high school program that's gone on to, you know, power five programs. So, you know, beyond yourself, beyond Jace, you mentioned a couple other guys. So, you know, as a younger ball player, let's say freshman, sophomore, who were some of those guys that maybe, you know, took you underneath their wing, kind of showed you the ropes of playing high school ball. And then how have you maybe slowly transitioned that to, you know, now you as a senior, how have you became, you know, some sort of leader in that locker room, kind of showing some of the younger guys the right way of doing things? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess the easy answer would be Jace, just because he's he was on varsity his freshman year. Um, so he already had that varsity experience whenever I came in as a freshman. Uh, COVID happened, so we didn't get that freshman year. Uh, but even my sophomore year, um, like that guy was always uh, in my corner. Like we always helped each other out. We've been throwing partners for the last two years. Um just being able to uh, play with that guy. It's been really fun. I'm sure. So obviously we talk about the competition level here in Texas. I want you to kind of take us through, you know, maybe some of the games you guys have circled on the calendar, maybe some other power five um, guys you'll be facing this upcoming spring. What does that competition level look like there in your region? And then maybe some teams on the be on the lookout for um, as you guys look forward to potentially making it to the state tournament um, there in Texas. Yeah. So for sure we have the, uh, we actually play a scrimmage tomorrow uh, against the uh, Grand Oaks, which they have uh, Larry Drake. He's a shortstop. Um, they have Hudson Hamilton. Hudson Hamilton, I actually played with on the Dodgers scout this past fall. Uh, he's a uh, he's a mid nineties arm going to Texas. Um, so even out the gate, we're going to be seeing some really good arms uh, in our district. We have UTSA commit, Texas Tech commit. Uh, uh, over at Katie, Lucas Moore, and Kolkase, um, they can they can pitch you pretty well. Um, and then over at Seven Lakes, like they have a they have a sophomore, um, Nathan Johnson. He he's a really good arm as well. So everywhere you're gonna play, you're gonna play someone good. Mm-hmm. So as we look for as we look past into you know when you're an underclassman, so let's say your freshman sophomore year in high school. What do you think is tougher when you're playing for the Texas 12 playing your same age group, but obviously the top tier talent of your age group, is it tough? Is that tougher to when you're a freshman sophomore facing guys who, you know, might not be power five commits, but are some good ball players up there in Texas, just a couple years older. Is there a mindset change there compared to high school and travel baseball? And what would you say would be tougher, you know, as an underclassman a couple years ago? You know, I don't think there is uh, a mindset change just because uh, the game stays the same. Um, you're always uh, playing for the guy next to you, and there's always a task at hand uh, winning the game. So um, I don't think the mindset changes um, whenever it comes to games, but maybe approach changes uh, depending on who you're facing and stuff like that. Okay. So you talk about how, you know, you're facing a guy who played for the Dodgers scout team. I heard you maybe say something in terms of you played with him this past year. So did you play for the Dodgers scout team? Yeah. So I, I played with the Dodgers scout team just briefly um, in the fall. Uh, it was kind of just a little event where we played San Jack and uh, A&M uh, Corpus Christi. Okay. So, so take, so you, you mean like you guys were high school ball players 
all on the same Dodger scout team that was facing scrimmaging against college teams. Is yeah. taking it right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what was that experience like, you know, going through, you know, facing some guys who were older, some guys playing at that next level. What was that like, you know, facing that type of competition? Yeah. So, I mean, those guys have been doing it for possibly four years more than you have. And uh, they have a lot more college games. Um, they've already finished high school and they're already in college. So uh, they're a lot more polished than probably you are, but uh, playing those guys, it's always fun just because um, they play guys that are way better than you and you might think you're good but they've promised you they've played guys that are equally or more talented than you are yeah i'm sure all right so one last question before we move on from you know high school travel baseball um so digging back into texas 12 um so you know obviously greg bennett coach knox coach hodge all these different guys have built you know a great program these past couple of years built it to you know the point to where you guys have a ton of power five commits through your eyes, you know, being an insider of this program for so long, what do you think has led to the Texas 12 success? Um, I'd say the growth just, uh, I mean, just because you're one of the top teams in Texas, you're going to get really good players. Um, so I'd say uh, just picking up good players, but having the chemistry of playing with kids that, um, that you may play with on your high school team. So I think the chemistry with the kids, chemistry with coaches, just because uh, you can always practice together because everyone's within driving distance of one another. Um, I'd say it's different than if you were just flying kids in for tournaments because you may not know the kid that you're playing right next to in different positions. Um, so I'd say the definitely the camaraderie of like the teams and the um, it's all uh, very beneficial. So digging into your recruiting process here a little bit. So you've been committed to Ole Miss for uh, looks like a little over a year and a half. So let's dig into your recruiting process. Take us through, you know, how that got rolling. Maybe when coaches started reaching out to you, take us through that whole experience. Yeah. So uh, I'd say coach Knox definitely kicked it off for me, um, getting me in touch with uh, some schools really early. Um, I'd say it was uh, the summer after my freshman year, I started getting calls uh it was in the middle of COVID, so we couldn't go out to see them or they couldn't come see us because we weren't playing. Um, but uh, it started real early. And then um, one of the biggest uh, events, I guess I would say, was the PBR Futures games that uh, I went and got to play with uh, JJ. Um, we weren't really sure if it was, uh, I guess, a solid event um, that would be very beneficial, but um, there's a an area guy for PBR, his name is Tyler King. He um, he came up to us at a tournament up at Premier in Cyprus and said, hey, like, this is going to be a good event. You need to play in this. So we're like, all right, let's do it. Um, we uh, went and played in that tournament a week after the Sanford tournament in Florida. Um, and that place was crawling with college scouts. Any team you could think of, they were there. It was it was definitely the place to be uh, playing different states. It was the best uncommitted kids at the time. Um, that's whenever I got to play in front of the eyes of uh, Old Miss and a bunch of other schools that I had uh, uh, thought about to go to. So. So when was it that that first collegiate coach reaches out to you? Take us through that. You don't have to tell us who it is, but, you know, who like. 
what was that experience like? And then after that, you know, how did that, you know, I'm assuming right after that first conversation, I'm sure it went, I'm sure a bunch of different coaches reached out. So take us through, you know, how that whole thing got started. Yeah. So uh, the first school I got to talk to, uh, I had a pleasure of talking to was uh, Rice uh, with Coach Yanish. Coach Yanish is a really good dude. Um, he was very uh, awesome to talk to. Um, he was actually my first call. And oh my gosh, I was so scared at <laughs> that very first call. Um, but after that, uh, it got real easy just to talk to because they love the game just as much as you do, if not more. And uh, it's always awesome to talk to them about the game and talk to them about their school because obviously they love talking about their school because they're trying to get you to go there. So it was always easy conversations and it was always good conversations. So, you know, when you're having these initial conversations with teams, like you say, you know, Rice reaches out. Like I said, I'm sure there's a bunch of other schools that reached out, you know, probably right after that. What were some of those initial conversations like? You know, take us through maybe some questions they're asking you, maybe some different pitches they have. And then uh, for the most part, are a lot of these coaches' pitches to you somewhat similar or do some coaches go about it, you know, a different way to kind of attract you? Yeah, so um, my first, uh, I guess, collection of calls, they were all just uh, trying to get to know who you are because they want to know who you are um, because they've most likely seen you play but they don't know who you are because they're not around you. So uh, the first couple of calls are just, uh, I guess, personality calls, as I like to call them, just because they're trying to figure out who you are as a person, who you are at home, who you are at school. And uh, so they're, they're just trying to, I guess, build a relationship with you early um, in, I guess, the process. Mm-hmm. So as you're as you're going through this process, talking to all these different teams, I mean, like you said, it was during COVID, your freshman year, you're what, 14, 15 years old, probably at that time. What's going through your head? Obviously, you're still three, four years away from uh, just being a college kid, let alone talking to some of these collegiate coaches. So take us through, you know, maybe what's rolling through your mind at this time, talking to some, you know, top tier college coaches. Yeah, uh, it was awesome. It was an awesome feeling just because uh, you were being considered of going and playing at their school. Um, because it was always something you dreamed of as a kid going to play college baseball at these top uh, programs of college baseball. Um, so it was awesome to talk to those guys and figure out what guys do what at their schools and um, just uh, building a relationship with those guys for years to come. So as, as you're going through this process, what are some of those key things that, you know, you're looking for as you're talking to, you know, some people on the coaching staff, maybe going to a university or two to take a visit? Um, Just what were some of those key things that you were looking for when you were looking at what college you wanted to go to? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is fit, um, which place is going to be the best fit for you. Um, one place might seem more enticing than the other, but um, if you don't really have a shot of playing there, then what's the point? Um, I'd say um, a lot of the schools, uh, was, all the coaching staffs could change because you don't really make a lot of your decisions based off just the coaching staff, just because in this day and age, uh, coaches are bouncing around and stuff like that, going up to the major leagues um, or just retiring. Um, so um Coach Clement, Coach Lafferty, Coach Bianco, those are all really, really good dudes. Um, they're actually my favorite coaches that I got to talk to. Coach Clement's huge. Coach Lafferty, the recruiting coordinator, um, he's really awesome. Getting to visit all of the different campuses, um, you got to see 
uh, obviously the ones in different states like Oklahoma, I got to go through Stillwater to see OSU, um, got to drive through Auburn, um, obviously going to Oxford. And then I've been going to college stations since I was a little kid. So A&M was also a really big school for me. Um, um, but Oxford took the cake for all of them just because of the atmosphere, um, the fans. It's all, it was all surreal. Yeah. So you talk about how, you know, your recruiting process kind of got started there during the PBR Futures games, you know, talking to that coach from the University of Rice. How long was it after that until, you know, the Ole Miss reached out to you and they kind of became part of the mix? Yeah. So it was actually um, funny because my dad played for a guy. His name is Ty Neal. He was the head coach at Cincinnati a couple of years ago. Uh, he has a good relationship with Coach Bianco. Um, he actually sent my stuff to Coach Bianco um right before i guess the futures games and uh coach bianco got this and he's like he's like hey like this kid we probably need to look at and uh so they got to actually come see me uh at the futures games because that was one of the first times college coaches were actually able to go out and watch kids play um so i got to play uh in those future games in front of those eyes and i played all right uh, I think I went four for five or something like that with a couple doubles and um, played pretty well and uh, I guess got interest in those guys. Yeah. So, you know, as you're, you know, you talk about, you know, you went to A&M, OSU, um, there's a, Auburn, there's a couple, you know, big time SEC power five schools that were in that mix. What was it that at Ole Miss kind of just stood out to you to eventually, you know, choose Ole Miss over some of those other SEC schools? Yeah, so my parents would say, and all coaches have said, like, once you visit the place, you'll know before you even leave. And it was it was definitely that for Oxford. Um, once I was there, I've been going there since I was eight years old with family friends. Um, Ole Miss has always taken the cake for me. And uh, it was an easy decision for me once I once I got the offer from those guys. Yeah. So you're going through your visit at Ole Miss. When does it hit you? Okay, I think this is the place for me. You know, uh, I guess um, I think it was already, I wouldn't say pre-made, but the decision was definitely lingering. Um, I think it was a couple days after um, it was just brewing in my heart. I I knew uh, that's the place where I wanted to go. Yeah. So you talk about how, you know, within this day dang age for college baseball, you know, we have coaches that are retiring or coaches that are, you know, jumping around school to school, maybe coaches that are moving up to the pro ball, major league level. So, you know, when you're going through the process, looking at coaches might not be the correct thing to do. But, you know, since you've committed to Ole Miss, you know, what is that relationship like you have with that coaching staff? And how has that evolved here this past year and a half, two years or so now that you've been committed? Yeah, um, just because I'm, quite a far away. Uh, I don't really get to talk to those guys in person just because they're not a 20 minute drive up to Oxford if I were to live in Mississippi. So even though um, I'm that far away, I still keep in touch with those guys every month. Um, We're constantly uh, texting and stuff like that. Um, But if I'm ever in town, I'll definitely go see them, go say what's up. Um, Knowing those guys for the past year, they're all really good people. Um, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad I made my choice to go um, live with them for the next three or four years. Yeah. So how far away is Oxford from where you're at in Texas? 
So it's actually nine and a half, ten hours from Ooh. from me right now. That is rough. So what are your parents just not planning on going to watch you play every weekend, or what's that? What what's their plans moving into the next spring? You know, uh, they'll definitely come visit for sure. Um, I, I don't really know their plan as of right now, but okay. uh, it'll be fun to see them if they come visit. Mm-hmm. So with with Ole Miss and you know with Oxford being so far away from where you're at, you know you're in Texas, a couple of states away. Um, like how many players do you know within your signing class that you might already have pre-existing relationships with? Um, just you know playing through with potentially playing with them in the past, or you know whatever it happens to be. What are some of those pre-existing relationships you already have? Yeah, so I think the official visit was huge because I got to meet all the guys. Um, we actually have like a group chat on snap, which we always talk to each other. in. um, obviously those guys being some of the best of the best, like I've played, um, I've played them this past summer, summers past, um, Campbell Smithwick with the Canes, Xander Muth with the Philly scout, like those big names. Um, we've got to play during the summer and it's always a good conversation to have with those guys after the game, once you've played them. Yeah. So as we dig in a little bit to, you know, you're actually on the field play. So like we talked about earlier, I mean, you're listed as shortstop and pitcher on perfect game. We've already had that discussion, you know, haven't pitched in a long time. So let's just dig into, you know, your fielding, your hitting here a little bit. So, like I said, you are listed as a shortstop. Um, as you move into the future, move on to that next level, whether that's college ball, pro ball, you know, do you see yourself sticking at that shortstop level, uh, shortstop spot? Or, you know, could, could you potentially, you know, maybe move to the left, move to the right, to second or third? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd love to stick at the same spot. Um, I've played short for all years of baseball. I've uh, played with it in, in the high school, played with it in the summer, in the fall. But being on that summer team this past summer, we've had some really good players. Uh, Jack Bell, Braden Randall, who's actually committed to Ole Miss. Um, we've had to share, have a little bit of a share time uh, with the position. So um, it's been good because we also, just because where we're going, uh, there could be a guy that's equally or better than you at that position. So bouncing around, being flexible to play third or even the outfield, um, it's always good to just uh, have a refresher, I guess, in a different position just to get to know it just in case you have to move. So, so when you are moving around, let's say, you know, this past summer when you had to move to maybe the outfield third base, whatever, um, is there maybe a mindset shift when, you know, you're playing shortstop, you know, moving over to your right to play at third or even in the outfield, what does that look like mentality wise? You know, um, I don't really know if there is a mind shift because at the end of the day, you just have to get the out no matter what position you're at. Um, obviously the outfield is a little bit more relaxed than either the hot corner at third or even shortstop being, uh, one of the known hardest positions on the field. Um, but you still have to be able to read fly balls in the outfield, take good routes and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, I'd say every position is pretty hard. Mm -hmm. So as we dig into, you know, the hitting side of things, you know, the mo- the best part of baseball, the most fun part, uh, let's dig into it. Digging into your hitting approach here to start it out. Uh, so just take us through, you know, let's say, you know, you're on the on-deck circle, you're watching the guy in front of you, watching the pitcher, uh, and, and you start walking up towards that batter's box. You know, what's going through your mind? What's your approach? What are you trying to do with each at-bat? Yeah, for sure. So I'd say uh, getting to watch the pitcher early, whether it be – uh, his pitches in between the innings, his warm-up pitches and stuff like that. Um, seeing, I guess, 
relative speed or what pitches he's got in his arsenal um, and then how he pitches the guys in front of you. Um, it was always tough just because I'd always hit uh, after Sam or Kendall, which were both lefties. Um, it's always different pitching against a lefty versus a righty. So I never got to see, I guess, a righty hitter in front of me. But, um, I mean, facing these guys in the summer, you have to eliminate a part of the plate just because – I mean, they're all really good polished arms. So I guess eliminating and looking for one pitch to ambush. Um, I mean, it's, it's what you got to do uh, to get the job done. So are you a big two strike approach type of guy or for the most part, do you maybe, you know, maybe keep the same approach no matter what that count is? Um, so for the two strike approach, um, I like to widen my base a little bit um, and then choke up on the bat just because um you got to do it for the guys behind you and for your team. I mean, uh, get the ball in play, do whatever it takes um, just to do what's necessary. So if you had to go through, you know, maybe you're, you know, scouting yourself. Um, let's say you're a scout, you know, at the Futures game or a scout watching you this past year area code and you're watching yourself, you know, play shortstop, you know, potentially play third on occasions. You're in the batter's box, interactions with some teammates. If you're a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself? Um, I think I'm uh, actually one of the one of the hardest uh, players on the field, just going 100 miles an hour all the time. Um, very energetic, uh, bouncing around fast, um, plays with his hair on fire is what I've heard uh, from a few different different people. Um, so yeah. Okay. So, you know, you dig into, you know, you maybe what the, what your game actually is. Let's dig into, you know, what your game isn't. What are some of those things that you're wanting to maybe develop the most within your game, you know, this spring, but also, you know, this summer and the next fall, as you make it to that next level, what are a couple of those things that you're wanting to work on? Yeah, definitely uh, on the dirt, just being able to stay fluid and stay under control on the infield. Um, I have a, uh, I have a tendency of getting a little antsy at the shortstop position or or at third where um, I just play a little bit too fast, but I guess slowing the game down, which will come um, just being able to stay under control for sure. Okay. All right. So mechanic wise, kind of take us through what your mechanics are when you're in the box, you know, all the way from that load up to that follow through, take us through those mechanics and, you know, how maybe those have developed here, you know, these past couple of years as you've matured as a ball player. Yeah. So uh, a really good uh, friend of mine, uh, Jack Little, his dad always had this saying of kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Um, it's always uh, stuck with me just because um, being simple is definitely the easiest thing you can do whenever it comes to baseball. Um, simple is always better. Um, so being able to stay controlled and stay simple with everything in your movements, it's always easier because the pitcher will obviously supply the power. Mm -hmm. So um, keeping it simple all the time, keeping it consistent. Um, I think that's the best way. All right. So with all these different coaches that you have on the Texas 12, um, you know, being along with some of those scouts in the area code, having these different trainers like Jack Little's dad, um, you just had a bunch of influential people within your baseball career so far. But, you know, if you had to choose, you know, two to three people who have been the most influential, who would those most influential people, people be? And what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? Okay. Number one is definitely my dad. Uh, my dad's been the longest coach for me. 
Um, he's always there, whether I'm going to hit um, every night at 7.30 at the cages down the road. Uh, he's always there. He's been my coach forever. Um, I'd say uh, his relentlessness, uh, just being like a former baseball player, he knows what it takes uh, to be that guy at the next level. So him always pushing me since I was a little kid. Uh, I think it's been the best thing for me. And then, um, and then I, I'd say my brother, my brother has been uh, my little brother. I say little, but he's a year younger than me. Uh, we're 18 months apart. We're really good friends. Uh, he's always there because he's my partner in crime. I mean, whenever I'm going to hit, he's coming with, and uh, we're just like the, the dynamic duo, whether it comes to baseball. So He's always teaching me and I'm always teaching him. So what are you looking forward to most of playing your last spring ball of high school with your younger brother? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always been a dream of mine getting, getting to play with him because uh, he's going to be that left fielder whenever I'm at short and we may have a, uh, may have our differences at times, but uh, we're always the biggest supporters of each other. Yeah. So let's say he misses you. Let's say you're his cutoff, man. He misses you Are You yelling at him or, you know, how do you go about that? Uh, Maybe not on the field, but definitely whenever we get into the dugout, I'll definitely say something. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> All right. So uh, digging into my last, you know, baseball, baseball related questions. Let's dig into your advisor selection process here a little bit. Then we'll move it on to my last couple of questions. Um, but obviously, like I said, I'm trying to be an advisor slash agent. So I like to ask you guys, you know, about your selection process, you know, just to get the players feel of things as they go through that process. So just take us through, you know, when was it that, you know, advisors, agencies, when was it that they started reaching out to you? Um, They started to reach out to me after my sophomore, uh, I guess, summer. Uh, that summer became pretty huge just because that's kind of whenever we started to get into the bigger tournaments. Um, uh, that's whenever there were, um, I guess, pro level um, conversations, college level conversations. Um, that's kind of whenever things started to kick off. But we ended up going uh, with uh, Joe Brennan with the True Sports. Um we uh we came to the conclusion with Joe just um he's also represents Blake Mitchell and I've known Blake for the last two three years now and um it was an easy decision just because Joe's a really really good dude uh, knows a lot about the game has really good relationships with the guys at the next level and uh, he's by far the best guy we've talked to. So as you were going through that process and different advisors were reaching out. What was their like main way of reaching out to you? Was that through, you know, maybe some text messages, maybe some cold calls going up to you in person? What did that look like from that initial reach out process? Yeah. So I guess I didn't really know. Uh, I didn't really know what those guys were, I guess, getting at or what their purpose was. So whenever I got the text or somebody told me um, to talk to this guy, like, I kind of steered it more towards my parents or more towards guys that I trusted to talk about it with, because I didn't really know what they wanted or what their goal was. So um, I definitely um, would say my parents helped me out with that, um, with uh, picking for the best guys. 
I'm sure. And with, I mean, with advisors reaching out to you when, you know, when you're like, you know, sophomore, junior, I'm sure that's tough to even like put that in perspective. Like, why is this guy, you know, reaching out to me right now? Um, which is crazy. I was actually just got off the phone with an agent. He was talking about how, you know, he doesn't want to, but I mean, ever, he doesn't want to talk to a kid when he's a sophomore, junior in high school, but he has to, to stay competitive because there's so many advisors, you know, reaching out at this point, like at that point of their careers. Um, but, you know, as you were going through that process, was there maybe a couple of things that stood out to you in terms of, you know, maybe some what some advisors had done to, you know, maybe keep your get your attention? Um, was there anything like that in, um, throughout that process? Yeah, I guess the I guess stay consistent on their clients or I'd say um, Joe was obviously an easy conversation to have um, very knowledgeable of of uh, the game and um, I guess the task at hand for him um he was very knowledgeable whenever it came to conversations with the guys um at the level above and uh and he knew a lot about of what he was talking about so it was easy so, so at this point you know obviously you've already you know made your verbal commitment to him and be like hey like you know you're, you're gonna be my draft advisor you know potentially my agent once i go sign pro ball um, at this point, you know, how often are you guys staying in contact, you know, throughout the spring, throughout the, maybe this off season as well? Like how often are you guys talking to each other? Yeah. Um, I'd say we talk about every week, whether, uh, be about, uh, the games that we played this week or kind of like what, um, I've got going on, whether it be training and stuff like that. Like he just loves to be in the know of, uh, what I've got on my play and, uh, and sometimes he'll come out to games and come watch, which is, it's awesome to have that guy there. So, sure. All right. So I got a couple more questions here to end it off. You know, let's dig away from the baseball field here a little bit. So we're digging into passions beyond the game of baseball. What are some of those things that you like doing to maybe, you know, get your mind off of things, you know, maybe when you're stressed out, what do you do to, you know, ease that? What are some of those passions beyond the game of baseball? Um. Yeah. So I guess, uh, I guess, one of my favorite hobbies is to fish and uh, with there being hundreds of lakes here in Texas, like you can fish in about every neighborhood you, you walk into. Um, so bass fishing is uh, really popular down here and I love to go with my brother. And usually that's uh, some good time away from the field where you just get to think about um, not necessarily things about baseball, but like things going on in life. And it's, it's fun. I'm sure. So are there a lot of lakes in Texas? Uh, not a lot of, I guess, natural lakes. There's a lot of man-made, but more ponds and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. I see. Um, So digging into motivations here a little bit. So no, let's say, let's dig down deep here. Let's say, you know, what is it? What are those motivations that you have you know, that help you, you know, get out of bed, help you go get better? What are some of those motivations that you have, you know, just beyond the day-to-day, -day, just continuously uh, evolve yourself as, as a person and as a ball player? Yeah. So uh, one of my biggest motivations I'd say is uh, trying to be the best Drew Markle uh, there is. Um, so being the best guy, it's being constantly uh, just um, working hard at whatever task is at hand, whether that be baseball, school, whatever, like just putting your mind to whatever uh, you're doing at that moment and uh, doing it the best you can. Okay. So taking that question just a little bit further here, let's say, you know, you keep using those motivations, keep um, evolving yourself as a person, as a ball player, perfect picture of your life, 20 years down the road, everything's going right for you. You are, you know, what, 37, 38 at that point. 
everything's mm-hmm. going right. What does that life look like for you? Yeah, I'm going stadium to stadium playing in the big leagues. Uh, 38, I mean, that's pretty old, but uh, more at the tail end of your career and um, just playing baseball every day. Yeah. At that point, I, I it's going to be rough to say that you might be still a shortstop. Let's say, you know, maybe third base, second, uh, third, second or first. But, um, you know, if you had a dream team to play for, obviously, you know, any major league team is a, is a blessing. But yeah, sure. you know, what is that favorite major league team? Are you a Houston Astros, Texas Rangers guy? What What's your favorite major league ball team? You know, my dad's from Denver. Um, so he grew up. uh he grew up watching the Cubs until the Rockies came whenever he was in high school. So um, I really like the Rockies. I love the Cubs. I lived in Illinois. So um, I'd say either the Cubs or the Rockies for sure. Okay. I mean, I can see, a you know, a black and purple jersey saying Marco. I'm, is that number six? Number four. Number four. Okay. I don't know. I was, I don't, for some reason I was picturing number six. I don't know why, but you know, I could see a purple and black, you know, Marco Jersey hanging up there somewhere. Uh, but when you lived in Illinois, where'd you live at? I'm just curious. Cause I'm from Indiana. So pretty close to Illinois. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually from Peoria. That's where I was born. And I have a lot of family uh, that lives in uh, just outside of Peoria. Okay. And that's up Northern Illinois, right? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Cause I drove through that city one time going to Iowa or something like that, but um, no, down to my last question here on the JKRA podcast. So, you know, I like to end it off here with a little fun question. I like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast. And that question is, you know, obviously when you head to Ole Miss here this upcoming fall, you're going to get that opportunity to capitalize off your name, image, and likeness. So when you do get that opportunity, what would be that dream brand that you would love to endorse, partner with, collaborate with, whatever it happens to be, what would that dream NIL brand be? You know, I definitely uh, would love to partner up with Chipotle. Uh, Chipotle is easily the number one go-to, whether it be after a game or just in between workouts. Uh, Chipotle uh, burrito, for sure. There we go. So if I could have have a deal with them, I'd be set. Yeah, that's a good and unique answer. You know, I, you know, I get, you know, plenty of Nikes or Rawlings or, you know, my number one answer, guess, get, okay, if you had to guess what my number one answer on that question would be, what do you think it would be? Uh, probably a sponsorship with maybe a baseball equipment item, maybe like Wilson or. So it's, it's Lululemon. Oh, okay. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, good brand there, uh, but no, that's. You, you, uh, I would think a unique answer, but you know, everyone says it, but, uh, but no, man, that is the final question here on the Jake Hare podcast here for you. You know, really appreciate you coming on the show to spotlight your career, spotlight the Texas 12, be, to be a part of the Texas 12 baseball series powered by Mind Baseball. Um, so just super thankful for you coming on the show. Uh, do want to wish you the best of luck, you know, this spring and then even beyond that as well. You know, when you go, go to that next level, whether that's pro ball, college ball down there at Ole Miss. Um, whatever happens to be, just best of luck there. And like I said, just just thanks for coming on the JKR podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you for having me.